good morning uh, thank you to our sister for reading the scripture <coughs> uh those of us who have been coming here regularly uh uh know for these past month and into this month of february we have been uh, studying the attributes of god and uh, this morning we are going to study about god's holiness <clears throat> and uh, as i've been studying uh, this attribute uh, it makes me so unworthy to talk about this morning you know like uh, isaiah when he saw god's vision he says woe unto me for i am a man of unclean lips and i cannot say anything anything better than that i can say a man of unclean thoughts and uh, so as we uh, look uh, into this portion of scripture let's ask the lord to help us and uh, so that we will get to know about god's holiness let's pray <clears throat> our heavenly father we thank you for who you are we have sung much about your holiness this morning we have been reminded about it even through your word and this morning as we study it and as we consider it our hearts desire our hearts prayer is that you would speak to us you would remind us and you would not only speak but you would cause us to act cause us to live in a way that your holiness is seen through our lives we thank you for your holy spirit who enables us to understand your word enables us to apply your word to our lives and we would ask that he would help us even this morning we thank you for this privilege of being here to worship you one who is holy and also the privilege of learning from your word we pray in jesus name amen uh this morning uh, as i said we are going to consider god's holiness and to do this uh, i'm going to look at certain uh, events from the bible or certain incidents uh which will help us i believe understand god's holiness there are many but i've chosen a few of them uh, so that we will get to understand you know what god's holiness is all about now the first incident uh, i'm going to look at is we find in genesis chapter 3 uh, all of us are aware of this god made a perfect universe and he also made perfect man and women adam and eve and then in uh, we read in chapter 3 he set limitations on what they could do what they could eat and uh, he, they could do uh, eat all things but he had set limitations but then we also know as uh, we have read and been taught that they disobeyed god and uh, uh as a result uh we know 
that uh, God judged them. Curse came upon this earth. Disobedience is an affront to God's holiness. And that's what we see. You know, he is totally different. He is sinless. Nothing. He is perfect in everything. And he expects total obedience from his creatures. And here we see when Adam and Eve disobeyed, God judged them. Sin is an affront, as I said, to God's holiness. Holiness is purity to the core such that sin has no place in God. And that's what we see at the very beginning, you know, when man disobeyed God. So uh, this is what we see uh, uh, when man, Adam and Eve, disobeyed God. Then the next incident that I would like to look at is what we find in uh, Genesis chapter 6. Again, I believe uh, those of us who have read the scripture, it is the flood in the time of Noah. And we read in Genesis 6, 5 to 7, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, And it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I had made them. Uh, You know, three uh, actions or three words that I just like to focus. When man, uh, when God uh, looked at man's sin, It says he regretted he had made man. He grieved him, you know, it grieved him to his heart. And then it says, I'm sorry that I have made them. And uh, you see God's intense hatred to sin. You know, I mean, these are very strong words that we see uh, recorded uh, in the book of Genesis. And uh, further on, we read, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence, and God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. The magnitude of God's holiness. You know, he says, I will destroy. He made this world, this whole universe, and a perfect world. And yet we read when uh, man's sin was increasing and everything was against him, he decided that he will put an end to this world. Sin has no place in God's sight. You know, it's totally against him. He hates sin in all its form and that's where we see God's holiness. Another passage that uh, we could look uh, into is in 
Exodus 3, uh, 1-6. Again, uh, this was referred in the beginning of uh, uh, last month when we looked at God's grace. Uh, the event, uh, uh, I suppose all of us would be aware of, is the burning bush that Moses saw. And it's the first time in scripture that this word holy is used. Uh, it's the first time uh, we see uh, that the word holy is used. And we know the incident, uh, Moses was seeing a burning bush, but it was not becoming ash. And it was a very strange sight to him. And so we read that he wants to go near and see what is happening. And when he goes towards it, God tells him, stop coming near as you are doing. You know, God tells him. Uh, we know that as we read scripture, God doesn't ultimately forbid men to approach him. But Moses was not ready for he does not recognize the presence and nature of God. That's the thing. You know, he didn't know the presence and the nature of God. And then as we read the book of Exodus and further up to Deuteronomy, you know, uh, we read about him. He was a man who spoke to God face to face. God spoke to him face to face. But this particular time when he wanted to see this strange sight, he was not ready and to recognize the presence and nature of God. Holy ground, made holy by the presence of God and by the self-revelation. You know, God told him, no, this is holy ground. And how does it become holy? Because of God's presence and self-revelation. He himself makes there. He is altogether different. You know, God being holy is altogether different. He is not common. He is separate. Israel's understanding of God was not only dynamic but moral. It's not just separate but he's also a moral God. It was constituted not only by the active revelation of God but by the nature of the one who so revealed himself. God is the standard of holiness. You know, that's one thing that we need to recognize. You know, it's not what we think about, but God is the standard of holiness. And as we read uh, through the books of uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and even into Deuteronomy, there are various incidents that reveal God's holiness, you know, which we read about. We remember the golden calf, you know, when the people of, when Moses was on Mount Sinai and then these people uh, with the help of Aaron made a golden calf, God judged them. You know, it was an affront, you know, to make an image in place of God. You know, God cannot be made into that. He is holy. And then we uh, read about the rebellion of Korah and his friends, you know, who said, "Can why only Aaron and his people are the priests? And then fire came down, consumed them. The earth opened out and these families were taken in. We see uh, the burning anger of God. You know, holiness as we see, you know, it's something uh, as we read, you know, against God's sin and its expressions of it. You know, 
burning anger, judgment, and this is what we see. I'd like to look at another incident uh, in Numbers chapter 20 and verses 1 to 13. This is, a, I believe, a family incident uh, which we read uh, about the people of Israel. Uh, as they were going through the uh, wilderness, you know, there were occasions when they grumbled, when they didn't have water. And here again is an incident when the people uh, uh, had a lack of water. And they go to Moses and Aaron and ask, them, ask them to provide for water. And then we read that uh, Moses and Aaron went to God with this request from the people and uh, God heard their request. And we also need to remember that this was the same place in Exodus chapter 17 where they didn't have water and uh, again Moses and Aaron went and God told them uh, what to do. Uh, At that time, in Exodus 17, God told them to strike the rock. Moses went with the rod, he struck the rock, and water came. This time, what did God tell them? He said, speak to the rock. He said, speak to the rock. I'm not sure what Moses thought. He could have. I mean, this is my imagination. I may be wrong. Earlier I struck and water came. I can do the same. No. Sometimes familiarity breeds contempt. You know, that's a saying that we have. You know, familiarity breeds contempt. And then we read, uh, as you, uh, into that, uh, passage. You know, in fact, he came and, uh, he says to the people, uh, here now you rebels, shall we bring water for you from this rock? You I know, mean, if you look at, uh, Moses in his earlier, uh, incidents or the way he led, uh, each time whenever things happen, he used to plead for the people. You know, he never, got against the people. And here he is telling them, you rebels, you know, what are you thinking of yourselves? And we read, what did he do? He didn't speak, but he struck the rock. What happened? Did water come or didn't come? Water came. But what was the result? If you read, uh, was, uh, uh, 12. No, it says, and the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. These are the waters of Meribah where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord and through him he showed himself holy. Judgment on Moses. Why? He didn't trust God to be, trust him and uphold him wholly in the sight of the people. That's what it says. 
to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the he took him for granted he didn't obey he sinned and he faced judgment you know when you think of moses you know such a great leader who had led the people all these 40 years and is about to enter the promised land about him it is said there was none who was more meek than him you know the meekest man on the earth and the you know if you read the epilogue of him uh in on uh, the end of deuteronomy it says and there's not risen a prophet since in israel like moses whom the lord knew face to face none like him for all the signs and wonders that the lord sent him to do in the land of egypt to pharaoh and all his servants to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that moses did in the sight of all israel you know what a, you know it's it's not written about anybody else like that in scripture this was moses and i would you know just this one disobedience and judgment in fact uh, before he died uh, god again had to remind him at his death because you f- broke faith with me in the midst of the people of israel at the waters of meriba kadesh in the wilderness of sin and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of israel for you shall see the land before you but you shall not go there into the land that i am giving to the people of israel god has no favorites god hates sin in whoever it is even in us believers you know let's not take us as for granted no okay we have believed and no no he hates sin in whoever it is and here he had to maintain his holiness you know even to judge moses and that is what we see about god's holiness you know it's not common you cannot take him as he is you know he is a god who is holy and then let's look at this passage that was read to us isaiah chapter 6 and on which is based uh, the a song that we sing sang at the opening about god's holiness uh isaiah you know uh, sees uh, or he saw a vision of god's holiness the seraphims were singing possibly a continuous song and the theme is the holiness of the lord and the presence in all glory in every place you know that's what we read in isaiah 6 the earth is filled with his glory holiness is supremely the truth about god and his holiness in itself is so far beyond that uh, that a super superlative has to be invented to express it you know that's what it says three times you no know, holy 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 it's a super superlative to express god's holiness holiness meaning brightness and separatedness brightness and separatedness brightness suggests the unapproachable god you know he is unapproachable separatedness is the quality which distinguishes or defines god you know he is separate what is it that makes god unapproachable or what is it that constitutes his distinctiveness 
The answer is that it is his total and unique moral majesty. When people uh, fear God, it is not the consciousness of our humanity, but in the presence of the divine power, but the consciousness of sin in the presence of moral purity. That's what happens when we get to God, when we are in his presence. The fear is the consciousness of sin in the presence of moral purity. And uh, so as we uh, look into this incidence further, uh, as it says, you know, the whole earth is filled with his glory. It is not only the one thing that is capable of filling everything, but the thing which actually does so is God's hidden glory, glory in all present holiness. When Isaiah sees this vision, we see his response to God's holiness. He says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. When he sees God's holiness, he sees judgment upon himself. That's what he says, woe unto me. He sees judgment upon himself. And I think that's what, you know, in the world that we live in today also, you know, we live in a world of unclean lips, you know, a man of unclean lips, and we live in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And that's what uh, Isaiah could say. You know, he couldn't say anything good about himself. In fact, uh, you know, this vision is happening uh, while he's already prophesying. You know, it's not at the very beginning of his ministry. You know, as he's prophesying, uh, this is when he sees this vision of God. But we also see, you know, as we read in Isaiah 6, that God responds uh, to this uh, to what uh, Isaiah uh, acknowledged. Now for it says, uh, in verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. The fire is a symbolism of God's wrath, His unapproachable holiness. And so, since the coal is from the altar, it holds together the idea of atonement, propitiation, and satisfaction required by God for forgiveness, cleansing, and reconciliation needed by his people. You know, that's what the coal would symbolize. God's wrath put together in ideas of atonement, propitiation, and satisfaction required by his people, by God, and for the forgiveness, cleansing, and reconciliation. We'll look at this later when we look at the cross. 
Now when we read the book of Isaiah, uh, one of the commonest titles that we have for God is the Holy One of Israel. Quite often it is repeated in the book of Isaiah, the Holy One of Israel. And this adjective holy for God is used more than all the other adjectives put together for God. This itself, you know, speaks volumes about the centrality of God's holiness in scripture. Holiness, as someone has said, is God's crown. That is so central to God. No, God's holiness. It is God's crown. I just like to move now to the New Testament. Uh, there are many others. I mean, I would uh, uh, really encourage you all to read uh, the Old Testament and especially the uh, books of uh, the first five books, you know, and to get to grips with uh, God's holiness. In Mark 15 and 34, I mean, this is Jesus on the cross. Uh, we read, and the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a cry that Jesus made on the cross. Why did he cry or why did he make this cry? You know, if you look into the life of Jesus, uh, during his earthly life, Jesus lived in perfect relationship with the Father. He totally submitted himself to the Father. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. You know, there was nothing, no, nothing was found in him, you know, which... Uh, God could take himself away. But yet on the cross he felt forsaken and he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Never before had anything come between him and his father. And now the sin of the whole world has come between them. And he is caught in this dreadful situation of the curse. You know, from which he couldn't get away from. It was like a whirlwind or from a tornado from which he couldn't get away from the path. And uh, there was no escape. It is not that Abba was not there. God was there. But he is there as a judge of all the earth who could condone nothing and could not spare even his own son. He is standing where no one has stood before or since, enduring at one time point in space, and in one tiny moment of time, all that sin deserved, the curse in unmitigated concentration. All this because Jesus faced a holy God. For our sakes, when he took upon himself 
our sins. He went, you know, it's a very dreadful experience. You know, I mean, we have not experienced it ourselves, but the Son of God underwent this because of our sins and because of God's holiness. Let me summarize, I mean, from what we have seen from these passages, what God's holiness is all about. It's about God being totally different and none to compare with. I just like to look at another incident which I've just overlooked. Uh, uh, let me just go back to that. <clears throat> now, uh, we read... Uh, in Exodus 4, I'm sorry, I'm just going back, but I think it's an incident that is worth looking at. Uh, Exodus chapter 15. Uh, this is an incident where the people of Israel have crossed the Red Sea. Okay, God has done a marvelous work in the midst of his people, and we know about it, what he did. And Moses and Miriam sing a song after that. And I just like to read verse 11. You know, it's a part of the song and this is what they sang. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? None to come. Majestic in holiness. That's what uh, uh, Moses, uh, I mean, uh, Miriam and Moses were singing. You know, how do you know it's beyond comparison? Majestic in holiness. Awesome. None to compare. That's what he says. Who's like you among the gods? You know, none to compare. And the most they could say is majestic in holiness. You know, it's hard to, you know, really talk about holiness. You know, because words cannot totally express what God's holiness is all about. And so, he is majestic in holiness. So, let me summarize as I just get back. It's about God being totally different, none to compare with. He's all-powerful. You know, that's what holiness is about. You know, he's all-powerful. And then, as we have been looking, he who hates sin in all its manifestations, even in whoever it is, it describes both the majesty of God and the purity and moral perfection of his nature. He always does what is right. You know, whatever he does is right, and that is his holiness. You know, as John uh, writes uh, in his epistle, he says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is totally free from any moral evil and he himself is the essence of purity. He confirms to his divine nature. Holiness is the perfection of all other attributes. Everything about God is holy. You know, you need to say God is holy love. God is holy, you know, merciful in that he is holy. In everything uh, is expressed by his holiness. In the book of Revelation, you know, chapter 4, we read, In heaven the four living creatures, each of them with 
wings are full of eyes all around and within and day and night they never cease to say holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is to come you no know, holiness totally embodies god himself and that's what it is you know there's not a moment when the uh, living creatures stop you know they're constantly singing holy 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 is the lord god almighty who was and is and is to come what do we do with this holy god now how do we respond you know what should we do in as god's children you know the verse by which uh, uh, we all started this uh, morning's worship it said that is on the ko you shall be holy unto me as the lord your god is holy we read this in the book of leviticus it says you shall be holy to me for i the lord am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine and it's not just one time that we read you know if you read the book of leviticus especially god reminds them of being holy and holiness in all aspects of life you know in the holiness and how you eat holiness in your relationships holiness in the way you celebrate the sabbath and holiness uh, uh, in all aspects of life but then seeing god's holiness you know it looks so impossible to come to that level now how do we attain such an impossible stand that's why isaiah had to cry woe is me you know when he was uh, saw god's holiness you know how do we attain you know and then you know john says if we say we have no sin then the truth is not in us and if we say we have not sin we make him a liar and the word is not in us you know that is our condition and yet god is saying in his word that we should become holy and even as we look at our lives you know uh, where is god seeking for holiness you know it begins with our hearts you know you know that's where it has to start you know it's not just the externals but it has to start with our hearts but the problem is there is problem in our heart itself Jeremiah says you know the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it at one time you know Jesus uh, uh, was confronted by the religious leaders saying that your disciples you know don't wash your hands you know you know and they become impure and then later on he told the disciples you know because uh, Uh, they asked him what he uh, meant when he said uh, what he said to them he said what comes out of a person is what defiles him for from within out of the heart of man 
come evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery coveting wickedness deceit sensuality envy slander pride foolishness all these things come within and they defile a person you know that's our condition and yet in that condition uh, god is asking us to be holy the only solution to this is the cross of jesus christ the cross and the resurrection of the lord jesus christ can make us holy no other way jesus died and rose again that we might become holy our faith and trust in this finished work the gospel begins our journey on the path of holiness and it is god's initiative to make us holy now we cannot you know however much we try we cannot make ourselves holy it is through this finished work the death and resurrection of jesus christ and as we trust in jesus as we repent of our sins that god can make us holy you know uh, in the uh, incident that we looked at and the portion of scripture that was read to us uh, in isaiah chapter 6 you know uh, i'll read that verse once again verse 6 the one of the seraphims flew to me having his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar and touched my mouth and said behold this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for now here it is god who took the initiative god ministers to the sinner at the point of confess need you know when isaiah confessed his need god took the initiative and then the effect is instantaneous it says he touched and your guilt is taken away everything is the work of god god deals with guilt a comprehensive work of dealing with sin takes place you know he does not just that one but a comprehensive work Isaiah confessed what he knew he said i am a man of unclean lips but god dealt with the inner reality of his deviant nature and with a specific sin all this arises from the payment of the price you know it said your uh, it says uh, is taken for your sin is atoned you know a price has been paid the death of a substitute sacrifice on the altar and so from isaiah this incident we can see the same picture of what jesus christ did for us as the writer of the hebrew says behold i have come to do your will he does away with the first order to establish the second and by that will we have been sacrificed through the offering of the body of jesus christ or in other words by that will we have been made holy by the offering of the body of jesus christ once for all for by a single offering he has perfected for all time 
those who are being made holy thank god for this through his death and resurrection and when we trust him he has made us holy and that's the gospel god has made us holy you know for example uh, if you read uh, the introduction to the book of corinthians he addresses you know the christians there you know we know if you read it what kind of uh, there was a lot of sin there but he addresses them as saints you know set apart holy and being made holy being sanctified and that's what the gospel does for us and my friends if there are those this morning here who have not known this god who have not known holiness as it comes through jesus christ may i invite you to put your trust in him he has done that complete work no other work remains he has made it possible through his death and his resurrection now what is our responsibility you know god has done his part what is our responsibility do we sit back or do we have something to do the writer to the hebrews uh, writes in chapter 12 and verse 14 <clears throat> strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the lord strive pursue that's what it means you know it's our responsibility to strive it is god alone who makes us holy by his grace and his holy spirit enabling us but we have a part to play so as uh, paul writes to the church in thessalonians for god did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life now we have a responsibility in this thank god for god making us holy through the lord jesus christ but we have a responsibility to work with him to being made holy as we uh, walk with him how do we do it you know uh, as uh, hebrews the writer says we need to pursue we need to strive and again as i said it's god helping us to do this we need to deal with sin in our lives no paul again uh, referring to him uh, in 1 corinthians he says consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to god in christ jesus let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make your body make you obey its passions do not present to uh, your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness but present yourselves to god as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to god as instruments for righteousness for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace this is what the cross and his resurrection has achieved for us we are no longer slaves to sin when we trust in the lord jesus christ he has brought us out you know earlier we were slaves you know we just did what 
Satan or what our evil desires wanted. We did that. We didn't resist that. But now when we trust Jesus, he has given us the ability to say no to sin. No, we have the choice to make. The choice is set before us. We will be tempted and we are tempted, but we can say no to sin because we no more in sin, but we have died to sin and God has raised us up with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can say no and say yes to righteousness. We have died from the dominion and enslavement of sin such that we can say no to sin. But we also recognize that the sin nature still continues within us. You know, that is still there. You know, that will be there till we die or till Jesus comes again. You know, but we are, but we are no longer slaves of sin. But as we know, and as I said, you know, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You know, that is there. Uh, the uh, kind of an example we could give is like the gorilla warfare. You know, the enemy has defeat has been defeated. You know, but then you know what they just try to sneak in. You know, that's what happens. You know, they're not totally in front trying to attack the enemy. You know, they try to sneak. That's what happens. You know, uh, but we will, through God's grace, resist. You know, remember Joseph. You know, when he was tempted by Potiphar's wife, he was able to say, "How can I do this wicked? How can I do this wickedness?" And sin against God. You know, he was able to do it. He resisted that temptation. Job, you know, if you read in verse 30, uh, chapter 31, he says, I have made a covenant with mine eyes that I will not look lustfully towards a woman. You know, that's what we need to do. You know, to take uh, action. You know, to resist and say no. Now this is a daily battle. You know, it doesn't happen once for all. It doesn't. Uh, the battle continues uh, uh, in our lives. You know, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. We are under God's reign, and it is with His power that we can resist. And uh, I'd just like to read a verse. It says, For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. You know, He's called us in holiness to holiness. He has given us his spirit, and we will pursue holiness. And one of the things uh, that we need to do consistently is to... Read and meditate on God's word. It's a discipline that we need to do. You know, a daily discipline. You know, uh, the psalmist says, Thy word or your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. A discipline of giving ourselves to God's word. Meditating, not just reading. And to pray for holiness. You know, Paul prayed for the Thessalonians. He says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it.
we need to depend on God. We need to depend on God's word. We need to pray that God would help us to become holy more and more. He has made us holy. That's our status, holy. But we continue to walk in this path of holiness. Paul also, uh, and in fact Jesus also said, no, if anything is causing you to stumble, you cut it off and throw it off. We need to mortify, you know, things that are not helpful, we need, which will not help us to grow in holiness, we need to get out, get it away from our lives. Take serious action. You know, if there are things that are not helpful, you know, take it away. You know, in what we see, in what we talk, sometimes, you know, I was just thinking, you know, we live in a very polarized situation in our country. And sometimes that is what we are talking about. You know, I mean, when we think of uh, any thing, you know, love doesn't come, you know, you know, hatred, you know, those are the thoughts that come into our lives. And that is sin. You know? And so what we need to do is consciously get away from such talk as such. You know, you know, we need to do that. You know, create habits, have habits of holiness. You know, the things that we talk with people, the things that we see. You know, if the television is not helping you with holiness, you know, switch it off. You know, if your mobiles, you're seeing things that are not helping you in this walk of holiness, I mean, remove those apps that are there which are not helping you in that. We need to make holiness a habit in our life. You know, uh, Paul uh, in Philippians 4, you know, he says, and verse uh, 8, he says, uh, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I'll read it once again. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That's what we need to be thinking in our journey with in holiness. And another thing that I would definitely say is keep ourselves unstained. You know, seek God's forgiveness. You know, that's what we read in 1 John 1 and 9. You know, the form verb that is common to us. You know, if, and it says, uh, confess and God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or be like the psalmist who said, uh, search me, O God. And know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Keep short accounts. You know, let not sin reside in our hearts. Because we serve a holy God. You know, that's a standard. That's because He is holy, we will commit ourselves to holiness as such. Do not be discouraged by failure. You know, in this walk of holiness, we will fail. Not that we want to fail, but failure will come. 
but don't get discouraged. As we read in Proverbs, for the righteous falls seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity as such. You know, he falls but he rises again. No, let's not give in. You know, even when we fall, let us pursue holiness. Because without that, we will not see God. What a wonderful privilege we have to praise and worship one who is holy. Thank God for this. And also thank him for he is the one who has made us holy and who is continuing to make us holy. Thank him for that. He has made us holy through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection. And he is continuing to do his work in our hearts and lives. So let us therefore commit ourselves to walk this path of holiness that God has set before us. Let us pray. Let's spend a few moments in silent introspection. Let us see where we stand in the light of God's holiness. Let's ask the Lord to help us to walk this path of holiness. Because he has called us to do that. Let's ask for his enabling. Let's ask for us to get into a discipline to strive after holiness. Thank God that he is there to help us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are really humbled this morning as we have considered your holiness. Our righteousness is like filthy rags when we are confronted by your holiness. There's nothing good in me, nothing good in us. And yet, Lord, we thank you that through the Lord Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, you have made us holy. We thank you, Lord. You desire that we become holy, holy like you. We do recognize we are far short of that. We thank you that you have made the provisions for us, Lord, and help us to persevere, help us to strive with your help, with your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Help us to be dependent on you. We pray in Jesus' name.